all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Guess what, Mississippi? It's that time again. It's time for Southern Remedy, the original version, where the doctors are always in. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, professor of medicine and pediatrics, and I'm alone and lonely waiting for your call about any topic you want to talk about, medically speaking. Uh, I have a lot of things I'm interested in talking to you about today, but it's your show. So give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING, 1-877-672-7464, or send us an email at southernremedy.mpbonline.org. Nothing is off topic. Anything you want to talk about, we'll be talking about in just a minute. Our lines are open. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. President Donald Trump will sign two executive actions today related to border security and immigration. A White House official tells NPR the first, Border Security and Immigration Enforcement Improvements, will call for building a wall along the southern border, hiring more Border Patrol agents, expanding detention space, which is likely to increase the use of private-for-profit prisons, ending catch-and-release, which would require more detention space, and emphasizing prosecuting criminal offenses related to the southern border. The second order, enhancing public safety in the interior of the United States, will direct the Departments of Homeland Security and Justice to withhold grant money from so-called sanctuary cities, restore the Security Communities Program, which would restore a program that ceased in 2014 to aggressively work with local law enforcement to identify individuals arrested for criminal violations for deportation and force other countries to take back criminal aliens by withholding visas, which would involve the State Department or other leverage in allowing Immigration and Customs Enforcement to more aggressively arrest, detain and remove people in the U.S. illegally. President Trump says he's ready to send in the feds if officials in Chicago fail to keep the rate of homicides in the city from surging. NPR's Cheryl Corley reports it's the second time this month Trump has tweeted about the city's crime figures. Chicago's homicide rate is not among the nation's highest, but the number of deaths last year, 762, was the worst the city has seen in years and far exceeded those of New York and L.A. Last night, President Trump took note of the shootings and deaths that have occurred in the city so far this year, tweeting that he'll send in the feds if Chicago doesn't fix the, quote, horrible carnage. Earlier in the month, Trump tweeted that Mayor Rahm Emanuel should ask for federal help. The city's police superintendent said the police department is more than willing to build on its partnership with the federal government. Last week, the U.S. District Attorney and the FBI's chief agent in Chicago were part of a summit on violence in the city with local officials and community leaders. Cheryl Corley, NPR News, Chicago. An official from the incoming Trump administration says scientists at the Environmental Protection Agency will face new rules before publishing research to 
during the transition period. Here's NPR's Jeff Brumfield. EPA scientists have always faced some restrictions over their public statements, but their ability to present and publish research findings to other scientists has been protected by agency policy. Now, in an interview with NPR, Trump transition team spokesperson Doug Erickson says EPA scientists will have to have their research reviewed as well, at least for the moment. We'll take a look at what's happening. Um, so that the voice coming from the EPA is one that's going to reflect the, uh, the new administration. Scientific publication is considered an important step in ensuring the quality of research. It's unclear whether the temporary rule would become permanent. This is NPR News. The Dow Jones Industrial tops 20,000 for the first time in trading. The market's been moving higher for months, and as BMO Wealth Management Executive Jack Ablin notes, continued its momentum after Trump's election. A lot of big promises have really um, spurred a lot of enthusiasm and uh, probably a little imagination, too, among investors. So I do think expectations are now pretty high. The rallies led by banks and other financial companies. At last glance, the Dow was up 140 points at 20,052. There is more reaction from Canada to President Trump's decision to breathe new life into the Keystone XL pipeline. Dan Karpinchuk reports the decision is getting mixed reaction, but not from the oil-rich province of Alberta. The proposed $8 billion Keystone XL pipeline would carry Alberta oil to refineries on the Texas Gulf Coast. With oil prices low, Alberta's economy has been struggling with thousands of job losses in the industry. The Premier, Rachel Notley, welcomed the White House action. TransCanada, the company behind Keystone, says it's now preparing to reapply to build the pipeline. It says the project will provide thousands of jobs, generate millions of dollars in taxes and pour more than $3 billion into the U.S. GDP. But environmental groups vow to continue the fight, saying the pipeline needs to be reevaluated, and the Prime Minister cannot say he leads on climate change while allowing new pipelines to be built. For NPR News, I'm Dan Karpinchuk in Toronto. The Dow topped 20,000 for the first time today. It has gained 140 points, standing at 20,053. NASDAQ is up 42 at 56.42, and the S&P is up 14 at 22.94. This is NPR. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Mile IQ. The Mile IQ app automatically tracks business miles to streamline and maximize deductions or expenses. The Mile IQ app is available for download in the App Store and Google Play. I'm Terry Gross. Listen to Fresh Air weekdays at 3 on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick DeShazo on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to southernremedy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Welcome back to Southern Remedy. As I said before the news, I'm alone and lonely except for Caleb in Tallahatchie, and we're going to talk to him in just a second. But we will talk to you, and we have open lines about any topic, medically speaking, you want to talk about. I know that everybody is freaked out a little bit about what's going to happen with health insurance, and uh, that's something that we don't have a lot of information on or uh, so far, but we do have some information on pharmacy prices. And if you want to talk about that, uh, if you want to talk about anything medically, 
Give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We have three lines open, and we're ready for your questions. And I would love to talk to you. Let's go to Caleb in Pelahatchie. Hey, Caleb. Hey, Doctor Desage. How are you doing? Doing good. Thanks for your call. Yes, sir. Glad to keep you company today. Since oh. you're alone. Lone and lonely. <laughs> uh, my question is regarding uh, blood pressure. So. Uh, I'm a pretty active guy. I run. Um, I've done a couple half marathons. I've been running for a few years, and I'm currently training for my first full marathon. And um, I'm getting kind of heavy into my training, and I'm starting to have issues with lightheadedness um, whenever I'm not running. So say I'm sitting around the house watching TV, and I stand up, and, and I get real lightheaded and, and uh, real disoriented. And uh, my mother was telling me that I should call your show and ask y'all. So um, I was wondering if this is a blood pressure issue. Is it related to cholesterol? Um, is there something I could be doing diet-wise? Uh, should I be concerned? Okay. That is uh, actually a fairly common problem um, if uh, I have your diagnosis correct. Uh, it's something that you can check yourself at home uh, very easily. And uh, it is uh, especially a problem in people who are getting ready for long-distance runs, and it's called postural hypotension, postural hypotension. That means when you stand up, uh, the blood in your body, especially the venous blood, goes down to your legs and does not return as fast to um, your heart as usual and the heart has less blood temporarily to pump, and you get lightheaded and dizzy. Uh, it, it only lasts a minute or two because your heart rate, if you're, uh, if you're healthy, speeds up and jacks your blood pressure uh, back up. So it's a small drop in blood pressure, and what I would recommend that you do is increase your fluid intake because it's probably related to relative dehydration. <clears throat> People who are preparing or doing long-distance runs need to be aware of the color of their urine and the frequency of their urination. You'd like not to have a yellow urine uh, when uh, you're, you're doing those sorts of things, but uh, the darker the urine, the more concentrated it is, and it means that you're, you're saving fluid because you don't have enough on board. Uh, so that's why uh, people who are not well hydrated wake up in the morning with this very, very dark urine, the first urination, and that's the key that you're not getting enough fluids. So I would get uh, one of these $30, 30 to $40 uh, over-the-counter blood pressure cuffs from um, a drugstore, big box store, wherever. <clears throat> Don't get the wrist ones. The wrist ones aren't any good. The one that goes around your uh, upper arm I like the Panasonic one, but there any of them are good. I, that's just one I know works and is well calibrated. And what you should do is take your blood pressure, uh, put the cuff on your blood pressure, uh, sit down in a chair for five or ten minutes, uh, and then stand up and retake your blood pressure when you're having one of these episodes and see how much it drops. It should drop a little bit, certainly ten points 
uh, or less, uh, and your heart rate should go up a little bit. So I think it's postural hypotension. I think you're well-conditioned. I do not think it is a major issue. You can confirm that diagnosis, and uh, I think you probably are a little low on fluids. Uh, You don't want to overdo fluids, but you don't want to underdo it either. And if that doesn't work, send me an email, and I will give you some more things to think about uh, and send you some information on postural hypotension. Is that helpful? Yeah, it is helpful. Thank you very much. Uh, so talking about hydration, let me ask you a question. Because I know, I'm sure, beginning of the year, a lot of people are being health conscientious. I'm, I may not be the only person having issues with this. Um, so talking about dehydration, something that I've been doing is trying to replace my electrolytes. And uh, I've been trying to go um, on a less sugary route than mm-hmm. going with uh, performance hydration drinks like Gatorade and, and uh, right. Powerade. So I've been drinking... And I'm not trying to do, make a plug for a product here, but I've been drinking some Pedialyte. Yes. Um, because it's low in sugar and it replaces my electrolytes. Is, do you recommend that? Should I? Uh, is there any danger in that? Pedialyte uh, has sodium in it, and as opposed to just plain old water, which has no little or no sodium in it. So uh, it certainly uh, can be helpful especially if you're sweating a lot because it replaces. Used to, we had runners choose salt tablets. I don't know if you're too young probably to, to remember that, but that was a routine thing that we gave people in the summer uh, was salt uh, tablets. Because to, I, am, I am really salty. Like my skin has salt residue on it after I run. Yeah, so that's, that's I know that I need to replace my sodium. Yeah. So um, uh, that is about half of the uh, pressure of blood, so it if you're dehydrated, it can help dehydration. But what I would do is I would alternate. Uh, I wouldn't use that as my primary hydrant. I would use a regular water as my major uh, hydrant. But if you're uh, sweating a lot, then that would be a good uh, addition to make. Again, following how you feel and what your urine looks like. Okay. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for taking my call, and thank you for the good information. And thanks for sharing that with everyone. We appreciate it. Yes, sir. Have a great day. All right. Great. We're uh, we're taking all questions on all topics. We'd love to hear from you. There's nothing we won't talk about. Some of it may be censored by our producer. Some of it may be strangulated by uh, somebody else. Uh, but we're at one eight seven seven MPB ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or we'll take your email at mpbonline.org. And let's go to Georgia and Larry. Hey, hey, Larry. Dr. Rick, good morning. A couple of questions. Um, <clears throat> Dr. Rick, I'm 68 years young and pretty good health for the most part. But as a man of my age, I have, you know, I have a, a large prostate. So for the last several years, several years, you know, I've had to get up between three and five times a night to urinate. Um, I, I was reluctant to, to take any medication because I, I wasn't really excited about you know, taking medication for the rest of my life, but I think this is enough because, you know, I mean, it's affecting my sleep, uh, and, of course, as we grow older, we need more sleep. Someone suggested a product called Flomax, Flomax, and I want to get your take on that and uh, maybe ask you for any other suggestions. Okay. So it, the problem is is that you're having to get up multiple times during the night to urinate. Is that it? Correct. Correct. And are you having trouble getting your flow started? Are you having to wait? Oh, maybe, maybe wait a few seconds. It doesn't, it doesn't seem that it doesn't seem a problem getting it started. Just 
I mean, now, now they're, they're, you know, they're, uh-huh. they're long urination. So and I when, guess, when you do urinate uh, multiple times during the night, is are you urinating a little or a lot? Uh, now it's a lot. It's, I mean, to me, it feels like a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let, let's talk a little bit about this. So um, <clears throat> as, you, as men get older, the prostate gets larger, and the prostate sits right around the urethra, which is the connector between the bladder uh, and the outside of the penis. And as the prostate gets larger, it makes the urethra that it comes in contact to compressed uh, and irritable. And so men start having trouble uh, with two sets of symptoms. One is they have trouble urinating. They have trouble getting it started and sometimes getting it stopped with dribbling in their undershorts, or they have uh, a lot of irritative symptoms, like uh, when they have to just go to urinate multiple times, especially during the night. They feel like they have to go to the bathroom, and then when they urinate, they urinate small volumes. And it's difficult to tell from your situation uh, which is predominant uh, because frequently they come together and sort of alternate. So the Flomax is a drug that relaxes the musculature uh, in the urethra itself and makes it a little bit less irritating. There is another drug, called, and, and, and there are several types of Flomax, several other uh, drugs that do the same thing. Flomax seems to have less side effects because some of the others can drop your blood pressure because they're muscle relaxants. So uh, Flomax would be one thing that could be tried. There's an, if your prostate's enlarged, there's a drug called finasteride, which actually is an anti-testosterone agent that is pretty specific for shrinking, uh, shrinking the actual size of the prostate. So people who have very large prostates with obstructive symptoms or irritative symptoms are frequently put on a combination of a relaxer, that thing that you're talking about, Flomax, and a shrinker uh, like finasteride. That's a big decision as to which or both, and before you put on either, you need a rectal exam and you need a voiding, you need to have an ultrasound where you urinate and make sure your bladder is actually working because some of this could be because there's a problem with your bladder, which is unlikely, but the routine thing that we do is do a digital rectal exam and then get you to get an ultrasound of your bladder, have you urinate, and then get a second ultrasound, so done in one step, and make sure your bladder's working. Uh, Flomax is very, very useful. Uh, There are limited symptoms. Most people don't have any trouble with it. It does cost money. Uh, There uh, are generics. And uh, and uh, I, I use a lot of it. So that would that's more than you wanted. But did that get you where you want to be, mm-hmm. Dr. Rick? Yes, I just I want I want to repronounce it. The the other medication is called Fenstride. Am I saying Fen- it right? Fenesteride. F i n e s t e r i d e. You can Google it. it. Comes up all over the place. Okay. And okay. so that's the combo. The shrinker is the finasteride. The relaxer is the other one. Larry, thanks so much for your call, and I hope that gives you some more information. I've got all kinds of handouts I can send you if you want some more information on that at southernremedy.mpbonline.org. Let's go to Brandon and Billy. Hey, Billy. 
Well, hello. Uh, just by happy coincidence, my question actually uh, is a perfect piggyback to the, the previous caller. I also have the prostate enlargement. I'm 59, and it's not a, a big problem. My doctor prescribed um, Cialis, a 5-milligram dose a day uh -huh. for this. And it works, but I went to Walmart and they wanted $375. Jiminy Cricket. So I want to just really kind of transition from this into talking about prescription prices. Uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield wouldn't cover it, presumably because it's Cialis, I guess, and there's other uses of that drug. But at any rate, I happen to work in Canada. For, I work for a Canadian company, so I was up there. I went to a clinic, and I got a three-month supply of 5-milligram Cialis, a generic of it, for 175 bucks, mm -hmm. three months worth. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand. How, I just don't understand that. And I haven't been able to really learn how is it possible that there can be such a huge difference in price. Okay. And why isn't the generic available here at a people's price? Okay. So that's a, a, real, a real good set of things, beautifully uh, said. Uh, number one, uh, Cialis is not the first choice for people with problems uh, with prostatism. It is an add-on or second-line uh, choice. However, a lot of people uh, have some erectile dysfunction uh, unrelated to their prostatism, and those are the people we would select to put on it first, and the insurance companies will pay for that. They will not pay for Cialis, most policies, as a first-line drug because what we usually do is go through uh, the the same drill I mentioned previously, a muscle relaxer and a pro, and, and or a prostate shrinker. However, it does work, and uh, and a lot of men prefer this. Uh, the the drug costs in this country are not controlled by the federal government. It is a free market, so they can charge whatever they want to, and the only risk they have is getting on the Wall Street Journal pages as ripoff artists. So you will find very, very wide variations within a geographic area of 10 miles uh, among uh, drug stores and big box stores uh, for a single drug like that. My solution for you is to go to goodrx.com, goodrx.com. That website... You put in your zip code. I don't think they take your money. Uh, I think it's free. It used to be, and I don't think they call you on the phone or do. I think it's you know it's a safe website, and uh, because we've been using it with our patients for the last year, and they will tell you the price of Cialis in every uh, drugstore and big box pharmacy uh, within ten or fifteen minutes of your house, and you can enlarge that, and you will be astounded at the differences in price. Uh, for that and any other drug, I mean, there, there may be fifty to a hundred dollars difference on any drug. It's mind blowing, and uh, you know. So the only way that it can be fixed is to put in some controls uh, on the drug companies that are doing this. And there's not going to be any energy, I don't think, uh, uh, in the present administration of doing that. It's a free market economy. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but I haven't heard anything about that. Uh, I, I appreciate it. Do the Canadians have a – is that why it's less expensive up there, that it's controlled by the government? Is that absolutely. The they have a uniform national pharmacy because they have a national health program. And it's just like uh, 
the previous administration tried to get Medicare to start bargaining with uh, these big pharmacies to get the prices down for Medicare patients and never got that done. The VA already does this. Um, they they put out bids for Cialis, whatever, and they get the cheapest product. And, of course, they, they, they give it to the veterans with a copay, and it's, it's a good deal. But this has not been done in the private sector. So that's why you're getting it cheaper up there. And I have a lot of people who go up once a year specifically uh, to get medicines like that and, uh, and save a lot of money. And I hope something's done about it. I spend a lot of time trying to, uh, in writing prescriptions, trying to find out what people can afford. And it is a nightmare for them and for my family. So I, I relate. But that's the story. That's the story. Hope that helps. And if you need more information, please send me an email. I have some articles on that. Let's go to uh, Sam and Jackson. Hey, Sam. Uh, hey, Doc. How you doing today? Okay. Thanks for ha- ha- hanging on there. Uh, yeah, you know, I've been watching, listening to y'all program, I mean, for, uh, it's been some years now. And, uh, uh, matter of fact, I had changed one of my appointments I go to once a week at the VA just so I can listen to y'all. Well, you're uh, very kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a retired medical lab technician too. But uh, I understand that you was talking about uh, uh, prostate problems. Mm-hmm. You know, like okay. Uh, now I'm gonna tell you, I had prostate problems. Uh, I guess it started about six years ago, and uh, the, uh, the nurse practitioner gave me some stuff, and it didn't work. And I was just dribbling down my legs. So uh, you know, I got really upset about it because I had problems getting uh, started peeing and all that kind of stuff. Right. So I went to the, I went to the emergency room and. I've seen uh, emergency room doctors, which are very good doctors, and uh, uh, the doctor gave me Flomax. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, not Flomax, but uh, Tamulosin. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, uh, is Tamulosin and Flomax the same thing? But yeah, Tamulosin. Tamulosin. Yeah, Tamulosin. Mm-hmm. It works very well. Yeah, right. it stopped the dribbling. And matter of fact, you don't have to take it every day. You can take, uh, after you start taking it about one week, you will see the dripping you start, you know, urinating after two weeks. You ain't got to take uh, one counselor every three or four days. And yeah, I, I no can problem. tell you're a medical technician. You're practicing a little medicine on the side there. Uh, but I think that's uh, that's good news. Uh, the the thing that we need to do, and you know this, Sam. By the way, we have open lines. We're at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four or one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's Southern Remedy. All things considered, anything you want to talk to, I talk about <clears throat> medically speaking. And I'm talking with Sam, who is a, uh, a veteran like me, and uh, it gets his, some of his medicines from the VA. And we're talking about his prostate issue. Uh, Sam, let me let me say a couple of. Uh, may I respond to what you said? A couple of comments. Yeah. Okay. Number one, <clears throat> I just want to make sure that before they started you on your uh, prostate, uh, your your urethral, that tube between the bladder and the penis that lets the urine go out, I, I just want to make sure that they did a digital rectal examination on you and got a PSA screen for prostate cancer. Did that happen? Uh, no, they didn't do a, a prostate-specific antigen on me, which is a PSA. They didn't, they didn't do that. They just did the uh, finger test. Okay. Now, when you go back to see your primary care doctor, tell them that you were put on prostate medicine and nobody felt your prostate, okay? 
because if you stuck your finger up there, if a, a doctor stuck their finger up there and felt a big lump or a bump on your prostate, uh, or if your PSA was up, we get both of them together in people that are having your kind of problem, then there would be a possibility that you have prostate cancer and we would miss it. Now, what we do about it is a whole different issue. Nobody knows what to do about prostate cancer. And if <clears throat> folks want to talk to, uh, talk about prostate cancer management, we have open lines at one eight seven seven mpb ring But I'm just concerned that you got slapped on medicine without making sure there was not an underlying problem. I'm sure there wasn't, but you wouldn't want to miss it. You want to respond to that, Sam? Uh, no, I've been, um, you know, looking at my chemistries and my, uh, uh, hematology, uh, and all this, everything looks good. Well, ask like them for that. a PSA at least. Okay. Here's the no, second, here's the second comment. Uh, you, you gotta be careful about taking a medicine that is prescribed on a daily basis about sort of titrating it yourself and taking it on the basis of what you, uh, what uh, your response. Now it's perfectly okay on that one. But if it's a blood pressure medicine, it's a whole deal differently. People uh, toward the end of the month start cutting their blood pressure pills in half because they don't have money for refills or it's not come yet. And they get a yo-yo effect on their blood pressure. So their blood pressure zooms up and zooms down, zooms up. And they can have some really bad problems. Same way with diuretics for heart failure or some other heart failure medicines. Same way for seizure medicines. You start... Uh, cutting your seizure medicines up, and you can have withdrawal from that medicine and actually precipitate a seizure. So own up, be honest, be a good veteran. When you go back to the your see your primary care doctor uh, and tell them how you're doing your uh, prostate medicine, get the PSA and get some advice on maybe you could just be on a lower dose every day and then you wouldn't have to do all this moving around with your dose. Thanks, Sam. We want to take your call at 1-877-MPB-RING, 1-877-672-7464. We're going to Memphis. We have four open lines, and we'd love to talk to you. And I'm alone and lonely up here. We'll be right back. for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from you, our listeners. The U.S. men's national soccer team suffered two qualifying losses late last year, putting their World Cup hopes in jeopardy. Now a new coach has helped revive the team. Obviously, it's not an easy situation being down at the bottom, but uh, our aim is to make up for lost ground real quick. I'm Ari Shapiro, building a winning team later on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. 
To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. You're listening to Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick DeShazo on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to southernremedy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Hey, welcome back to Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, Professor of Medicine and Pediatrics, taking your calls on whatever you want to talk about today. It's all things considered, and we have an open line at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Let's get back with some neighbors, and let's start with Kay in Memphis. Hey, Kay. Hey, Doc. Thanks for your have, call. I'm going to have to start paying for this more than just my membership. Well, you're mighty kind, and uh, we, we're glad to hear from you. What's going on? Okay, I have two items, and they're totally unrelated. Okay. Um, I do my exercise, and I, I learned how to build up, you know, uh, you know, my pulse rate and so forth. But on your Monday and your Friday shows at different times, people have asked about it, and they say take the two, 220 and subtract your age from that, and then they don't tell people what to do after that. That you you'd kill yourself trying to get your pulse up to that. You take sixty. You start. I should start out at sixty-five percent. Uh, okay, you're, you're talking about just your pulse rate. How how far you should get it up to show that you're fit? Yes, and mm-hmm. you know sixty-five, and then and go on up. And I go up to eighty percent, and that is. I mean, eighty percent. No, I do not go to eighty percent. Eighty percent only an athlete in good condition should. Start out at eighty percent. So exactly, I'm, I'm exactly. People have have not been given quite all the information. So uh, okay, so let me just uh, make a comment about what you said, which is a great point. <clears throat> there are targets for getting your pulse rate up when you exercise. Uh, that are associated with cardiovascular benefits. In other words, you want to get your heart rate up and sustain it at a particular rate, um, and uh, that has been shown to be beneficial. Those targets vary with age and conditioning, and uh, th- that the reason that they're not being specific is because they don't want to get in trouble and have you you get in trouble because there's a tremendous amount of variability in what we recommend depending on the person. My recommendation is when you're a senior is that you start slow and work up, and when you start having symptoms, quit, uh, and that's your max. And I don't really worry that much about the numbers. Those are general guidelines, and I, I taper that for each particular patient. But you're right. Uh, there's a lot of variability on here, and I'll pass along to those two folks uh, uh, some information, uh, get them to give some more clarification on that on Monday and Friday so you, uh, it, you the point you make is well made. So what about the second I'm question? I'm trying to keep you all clean. You uh, we want to we wanna be clean. Okay, yeah. the other thing is it's related to me, but only, you know, well, anyway. Um, what is... Uh, Propanin, my my diagnosis was elevated propanin. Uh huh. Troponin, troponin. What is that? I know it has to do with the blood. That is a cardiac enzyme. It is a enzyme released from the heart, Uh 
and it is used uh, when it is dramatically elevated. It is used to diagnose heart attacks and other damage to the heart. There are some uh, uh, seniors, especially people with heart failure under treatment, that may have a little troponin uh, elevation all the time. Uh, we don't let people go out of the hospital that have major elevations, and so that's it. Is that uh, helpful? Yeah, because uh, it just said uh, my diagno- discharge diagnosis was uh, atypical chest pain elevated troponin. Yeah, so that okay. means that that you had uh, you had an elevated troponin, troponin, okay, okay, uh, and that that can be associated with a heart attack. But they didn't make the diagnosis because you didn't meet criteria. How's that? Oh, okay, and now we'll get one more thing. Will you explain a beta blocker? Okay, I will do that. We're gonna uh, we're going to let you go, and I'll explain that while we're on the way to Biloxi. So. Uh, uh, beta blocker is a medicine that slows your heart rate, and it's especially good for things like atrial fibrillation where your heart rate is up. Uh, it's also a blood pressure medicine, but it used to be a first-line medicine, and now it's a third or fourth blood-line uh, medicine because it does not do that much for blood pressure. We have much better medicines. Hope that helps, Kay, and thank you for your call. We appreciate it. Let's go to Skip in Biloxi. Hey, Skip. Yeah, good morning. Uh, about two years ago, I had six uh, uh, systole operations for the kidney stones, uh-huh. and I ended up in, uh, after, I had three urologists on the coast, and none of them could do any good, so I ended up in uh, in New Orleans as a specialist at uh, Tulane University. Long story short, he finally got the, got the kidney stone, none of the rest of them could get them out. And uh, so I got me a, a, a good uh, urologist in uh, Alexi now, and he's telling me, of course, in the process of all this, I lost one of my kidneys. Oh, I'm so uh, sorry. Well, they did the, uh, you know, the... the Lithotripsy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, they uh, did the test on both kidneys for flow and found one of them, one of them wasn't putting out any percentage. But um, the uh, long and short of it is, uh, my last urologist, uh, he recommended, he didn't, he didn't recommend hastily, that I uh, look into a nephrologist. What do you think about that? I think it is uh, a very, very important <clears throat> for anyone who has the combination of stone disease and one kidney to be seen by a urologist where the kidney, the, the urologist who is a medical kidney specialist can check on the urologist and the urologist who is a surgical specialist can check on the nephrologist. I think two heads are better than one, and what they're trying to do is to keep you from losing renal function, going into renal failure, and having to go on dialysis. And the big thing they're watching is your creatinine. Do you know what your creatinine is? No, I have no idea. Okay, it should be one or less. So uh, that's why, and I would, would, especially if your creatinine's up, I would definitely do that, but I think it's a good idea anyway. Because the what what the uh, urologist is telling you, he needs some help in figuring out what to do if you have some more stones. Right, right. Okay. Uh, okay. And last, lastly, I wanted to uh, make a comment on the prostate. For if sure. Anybody has an enlarged prostate. There's a very, I say, simple because it's the most painless surgery I've ever had. Where they make five robotic cuts in your stomach and do a robotic procedure. 
Mm-hmm. That's the easiest operation I've ever had in my life. Never, never felt one thing. So to anybody that's anticipating that operation, I wanted to give them some uh, some positive uh, feedback. All right. Well, thank you very much. There's another one now that they just stick stick a heater probe up your penis and turn this up your sleep, obviously, and uh, that's quick and one day and you're zonked. It's not like having a colonoscopy. So there are a lot of options out there. So uh, there's another one. Good to talk to you. Let's go to Pensacola and Jonathan. You're listening to Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We have lines open. It's whatever you want to talk about. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, how are you doing? I'm better since you called. It's I'm alone and lonely up here. All I've got is my producer, and all he does is say, you did it wrong. <laughs> what, what's going on? Well, um, my doctor initially started me on Cialis for the same thing with the uh, urgency of urination, and it worked very well. But, again, $270 a month was the cheapest that I found it. And so he found a, an experimental um, um Regimen that included uh, sildenafil and alfuzosin uh-huh. in combination, mm-hmm. and I've been on that now for two months, but it doesn't work as well as the Cialis did. And I guess my question is: the sildenafil and the Cialis are in the same class of drugs. Is there a reason why that wouldn't be working the same? Yes, <clears throat> the uh, the half life of the sildenafil is shorter than that of the Cialis. Cialis is a long-acting agent. It inhibits an enzyme, and it is around for 24 hours or so. With Cialis, you just get that benefit urinary-wise and sexually for a shorter period of time. And uh, so that's what's going on uh, with that. Doxosin is uh, another one of these muscle relaxants uh, uh, and uh, like Tamsulosin, they all have names like you would want to name a, somebody you didn't like. Uh, and right. so, <laughs> so, so uh, those, th- you have to titrate the dose of those. The problem is when you get in the higher dose of the doxosin, uh, people start getting postural hypotension, which I led with at the beginning of the show with another caller who is not on one of those agents. Many drugs cause your blood pressure to drop and get lightheaded, and we're especially concerned about using doxosin uh, in seniors. That's why we use Tamsulosin if we can get their insurance to pay for it, which is Flomax. So I would not give up on, I would ask him to uh, give me another prescription for Flomax where you can go to a higher dose and try that, and then, then if not, you're just going to have to get some bootleg Cialis. I didn't tell you to do that. I, I can't talk <laughs> about that. I would never suggest it, uh, but you can get it. How's that? Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you much. Great to talk to you. We got open lines. We're at one eight seven seven MPB ringing. We'd love to take your call. We're going to Gulfport to Nancy. Hey, Nancy. Hi. How are you? We're doing good, and I appreciate you calling up. I'm sort of lonely. I hope you got lots of calls. And I, mu- I much prefer talking. To- no, I, I can't say that. I much prefer talking to women, but, but you know, I almost said it. What's going on? Anyway, <laughs> I've been listening to your program for about a year. Uh-oh. And um, last year, I think probably uh, early winter, I heard you mention 
uh, a rub that a family member was using. Right. Uh, I heard part of the conversation, but I didn't hear the name of the rub, and I was wondering if you would share that again. Sure. What is this particular rub going to be used for? Is it going to be for peripheral neuropathy, for uh, joint symptoms, or what? Because it for for like joint symptoms. Okay. Shoulder. Right. Um, knee, hip. Okay, so I'm I'm going to address that, but I want to address the larger issue of local pain syndromes because we're taking just about everybody off of opiates now. Opiates are causing an epidemic of death among people who are abusing them, and a lot of the opiates that we're prescribing are being sold by people for use on the street and we're just losing lots of people and addicting a lot of people with these agents, which really aren't that good for pain. They're not a heck of a lot better than naproxen or leave that you get over the counter. So we're trying to get people off these things. And we're going back to using some of the uh, topical agents that can be very effective. For joints, what I was talking about is Volterran Diclofenac, D-I-C-L-O-F-E-N-A-C, gel. It is generic, uh, and it is a rub-on non-steroidal. Diclofenac is Volterin, which is one of the most potent non-steroidals in the family of Celebrex and those other ones, but it it does not. It kills your stomach. So the company uh, decided to put it topical because all all the rheumatologists like me stopped prescribing it because so many people were getting ulcers in their stomach from it. So it's available topical. It's very effective. People never use it right and uh, say it doesn't work. So let me tell you how to use it. Your doc- it's, it's prescription medicine. Uh, the generic is p- pretty reasonable. Go to goodrx.com and find out the cheapest uh, tube of it in your neighborhood. And <clears throat> what you do is you rub uh, small amounts of this stuff. Anytime you use a topical, the first thing you do is do a test dose. You put a little bit, a little bitty of it on some place that you don't care about that much, and make sure it doesn't give you a skin reaction. Okay, before you do anything, so that checks for allergy to something that's in it that you didn't know. So, Voltaren gel, for instance, if you have wrist pain, if you mm-hmm. uh, follow, it tells you exactly on the label how many, uh, how big a bead to put. You put that on your joint and rub it around the joint. Just let it dry in, and you have to use it three or four times a day the first day or two that you're on it before it starts working. People will use it once and say, I didn't work, and throw the tube away, and I wish I could come collect it because it really helps a lot of my patients. So you rub it on your joint or your painful area. It's really great for tennis elbow. Uh, Three or four times a day, then back down as it takes action, and some people can get away with once or twice a day. That's Voltaren gel. The other thing I was going to mention is for people with peripheral neuropathy, we have a lot of diabetic patients with pain in their feet and legs, uh, or people who have post-herpetic neuropathy after uh, having shingles. We are using a lot of capsaicin, which is a red pepper extract, also known as Zostrix, but it's uh, capsaicin, C-A-P-S, I can't spell it, uh, in the uh, drugstore, capsaicin, and it's in two strengths. Uh, it will burn you like you are going very far south into a dark, fiery place. 
if you're not careful with it. So you have to read the instructions because it's red pepper. You don't want to get it in your eyes or on your genitalia. But that can also be very helpful. Thanks for your call. Nancy, if you want more, send me an email. I'll, I'll give you some more. I have your uh, spelling on that. Oh, uh, what is Only it? through Google. It's not See, that. I told them that you were trying to embarrass me. <laughs> uh, C-A-P-S-A-I-C-I-N. That's exactly the way I would have spelled it. I, I, I know you did. <laughs> I know you would have. <laughs> okay. We got open lines. We're at one eight seven seven MPB ring. We've got a couple of minutes le- left for your call. Let's go to Mobile and Dave. Hey Dave. Uh good morning. Good to hear yeah, from Mobile, day. one of my favorite places. Uh yes. Uh a couple of quick uh comments, uh the callers as far as prostate. Uh I have uh, I'm seventy three, uh long history. Uh, monitoring PSA for quite a few years, and it has gone uh, from, you know, three at one point as high as 13. Okay, now I have uh, been through two uh, series of biopsies, you know, uh, all negative. Great. But my prostate uh, was extremely large. And I, about a year ago, uh, had the suprapubic prostatectomy, right. which is not done that much anymore. Uh, but, uh, you know, it uh, wasn't a fun surgery, but very uh, effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, PSA uh, now is down to 0.63. Yeah. Well, that is great news. And, and, and let me, can I make a couple of comments about that, or do you have a, some more you want to say? Well, okay, uh, just add this real quickly. Uh, in talking with, uh, you know, uh, male friends uh, about, you know, uh, prostate issues, yeah. I find uh, quite a few who are, um, you know, afraid of things like, uh, 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 you know, PSA testing and biopsies as far as, uh, testing or to see if you do indeed have cancer. Uh, and I'll extend that to colonoscopies as well. Yeah. These tests I have found uh, are not, uh, you know, as painful as so many people seem to think they are. Yeah. And I find people avoiding uh, these tests and monitoring conditions as they should simply because they don't want to go through what they uh, perceive to be a, you know, a very painful uh, procedure. Dave, that is a blessing to many people listening. Um, I could not have said it better uh, myself. We are not uh, taking out prostates and giving prostate cancer therapy to many people with prostate cancer because we're able to stage it and predict uh, uh, whether it's going to stay there and many people will outlive it. So it's uh, it's not as risky, uh, but you do, do need to know what's going on. You do need your digital rectal uh, every every year, and your doctor will talk to you about whether or not you want a PSA. Some people don't want them. There's a lot of controversy about that. We'll be right back after this break, and thanks for listening. We've got more information coming your way.
If you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. On the next Creature Comforts, Libby Hartfield is bringing in James Cummins from Wildlife Mississippi to bring us ways to help conserve Mississippi's wildlife habitats. Also, we speak with Chaz Gavitt from Repticon and what to expect from their scaly friends at their upcoming show in South Haven. As always, we'll be taking your creature calls, so tune in tomorrow at 9 a.m. to Creature Comforts, only on MPB Think Radio. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. You're listening to Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick DeShazo on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to southernremedy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Hey, I'm getting some really good emails. Most of them I'm, I'm going to get to on the air, but the others I'll send you a personal response. Here's one that registers with me and with our program today. I think it's deplorable that insurance companies in the U.S. will cover Viagra for men, but will not cover hormones for older women. My Primarin prescription was affordable, but a friend suggested I order unaffordable. My Primarin prescription was unaffordable, and a friend suggested I order it online from Canada. I now can get it online for one-third of what it would cost in the U.S. Thanks, good, thank goodness, or I would have uh, be unable to fill prescriptions. This is an absolutely awful problem. Uh, it's an awful problem for you as a patient, and it's a, a terrible problem for us as providers. I spend, not only do I not get the medicines I want for folks, but I spend a lot of time trying to find medicines that are not as good because people can't afford the ones that I'm trying to get. So, you know, know, talk to your congressman, go to March in Gulfport or wherever they have the women's marches or whatever, just, you know, raise hell, and let's see if we can get this fixed. Let's go to Clinton and Tom. Hey, Tom. Tom, are you uh, online? Let's go to J.S. and Tommy. Hey, Tommy. Tommy, what's happening? I got a question. What's your opinion on soft palmetto for benign prostate? I don't think it works worth a darn. And there are controlled trials to show that. Men uh, like my father who used to take it swore by it. And uh, But it you never know how much of the active ingredient you're getting. It's sort of like red rice yeast for uh, cholesterol. Red rice yeast works because it has a statin in it. People won't take statins, but they'll take red rice yeast. And a lot of people are getting statin side effects from taking too much of it because they don't realize it's the stuff that we actually know how much we're going to give it. So for uh, prostate shrinking... Uh, salt palmetto in the available doses, if you get the USP form, USP, that means somebody's looked at how much actual uh, salt palmetto's in it, is not going to hurt you. It's okay to take it for a trial uh, if it works wonderful, but it usually doesn't. Tommy, that's a straight talk from Dr. Rick. Let's go to Clinton and Tom. Uh, hey, Tom. Hey. What's happening? Um, yes, sir. 
I'm having a problem with internal hemorrhoids. Yes, very I've painful. Had it about two and a half years, mm-hmm. uh, ever since I had shoulder surgery, and it didn't go well. It's pressing pressing into my spinal cord and causing pain. So mm-hmm. I'm on blood thinners and um, high blood sugar pills and all kinds of pills that are causing constipation. Mm -hmm. If I do nothing and just do a douche every morning, Mm -hmm. it comes out in these little hard balls. Uh So I've been drinking more water. Yep. If if I take a... uh, I've been taking the stool softener all along with what, what every day. Yeah. But uh, I've been taking a little bit uh, stronger laxative, and I'm afraid that I'm going to get dependent on the laxative. But every time I go to the bathroom, whether it's liquid or regular or the balls, mm-hmm. I still um have blood. Okay, let me let me give you let me give you a couple of quick things because we're beginning to run out of time. Number one, anytime you have rectal bleeding, you need to have had a colonoscopy. I presume that you've had a colonoscopy and there's no evidence of polyps that are bleeding or uh, other precancerous lesions. That's absolutely um, necessary. Number two, there are several classes of laxatives. And uh, we used to tell people that they were addictive. They are not. If you find one that works, that's good. In your particular case, you probably need two kinds of laxatives because you have some neurologic issues. You need a stool softener is probably not going to work, and it hasn't. Uh, what you need is something that will draw fluid into your bowel to soften your stool, and that is Miralax or the generic. Uh, take it by the label. You have to uh, uh, titrate it up to a level where it works, and you have to drink a lot of fluids when you're taking it. That will soften your stool. And then you probably need a couple of stimulants with it, and you can get those at the big uh, box stores, and and I'm talking like things with Senna in them, Senacot or other Senna laxatives. So every night you should take some Miralax, uh, at least a cup full to start with, a cap, cap full, uh, in some warm water, it goes right in. You can't even taste it, and then follow that by a couple of uh, Senecots or related, and you ought to be in business. And if you're not, give me a e- send me an email, and I'll tell you some more about how to deal with that problem. And I'm glad you called. You've been listening to Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. It's been Dr. Rick, alone and lonely, with lots of friends who have made his day and made him happy. So thank you for your call. Uh, we'll be back the same time. Uh, next week, or you can hear a replay of today's uh, version of our show Sunday at 6 a.m. for your early early risers. Join us next week at 11. Stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now, and we appreciate your listening to today's program. Underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy on the go with the My Blue Mobile app. More at bcbsms.com.
Cold front will continue to travel through the Mid-South today and can continue to trigger showers and a few isolated thunderstorms. The further south you go, the better chance of the thunder as we head through the afternoon. Now by tonight, the front will continue to slide away from us and we'll see some cooler, drier air building on in.